0: Chapter 10 of Prodigal Daughters by Joseph Hawking. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kate Fallis. Chapter 10 The Army and Navy Club Interview. At eleven o'clock the following morning, Mr. James Barnes received the following note. "'Colonel Trelawney cannot see Mr. Barnes at Hampstead, "'but if he will be at the Army and Navy Club at 6.30 this evening, "'he will endeavour to give him the interview he asks for.' Short sure, but to the point,' reflected Mr. Barnes. "'I thought I would make him sit up.' "'Who's writing you from the war office, Barnes?' asked a fellow clerk." who had handed him the letter and noticed the official stamp. "'A private matter,' replied Barnes, with a superior air. "'Oh, you needn't be so stuck on yourself. Anything to do with back pay?' "'Well, Wilkins, I wouldn't tell everybody,' replied Barnes, "'but it's a letter from the old man of my little bit of goods.' "'What? Colonel Trelawney?' Oh, you know his name, do you? How these things leak out. He's some swell, I can tell you. One of the oldest families in England, and all that sort of thing. I hear he's to be made general, and that'll mean a baronetcy, if not something bigger. I've heard the Trelawneys are big guns in their way, but I'm told they've no dough to speak of. The dough will be all right, Wilkins, old man. I'm not a breaking sort of chap, but I can go as far as that. Is it all settled up, then? As good as settled. Do you mean to say that Colonel Trelawney has consented to your marrying his girl? Practically, between you and me, old man, and this mustn't go any further— this is a letter from the colonel inviting me to dine with him at the army and navy club tonight i expect we shall settle everything up then over a bottle of fizz likely story retorted the other you needn't believe me unless you like replied barnes but if you want to be convinced you can come with me to the door of the club you can't ask for a better proof than that can you Wilkins was duly impressed. He still had his doubts, but as the envelope evidenced the fact that it came from the War Office, and as Barnes spoke so confidently, he concluded that there must be something in it. "'I know I'm marrying a bit above me, in a way,' admitted Barnes, "'but the Colonel knows what's what.' I was up there to supper on Sunday, lots of swells there. Of course, there was no chance to settle things then, but he saw I wasn't the kind of chap to be sneezed at, and he could see that his youngest girl was fair gone on me. Even yet, Wilkins was not quite convinced. He was an open-eyed fellow, and it did not seem at all right that a man of the Barnes stamp would be received by Colonel Trelawney, even although things were topsy-turvy, and Peggy was known to have been seen with him. But before the day was out, he had told Several mutual friends, what Barnes had told him, as that gentleman felt sure he would punctually at half-past six, Barnes appeared at the door of the Army and Navy Club. He was rather disturbed about the question of dress and was not sure whether he ought not to have appeared in what he called his war paint. But there was not time after six, at which hour his office closed, for him to get to Camden Town, and return by the time the colonel had mentioned. So he had to make the best of his office attire, and tried to assure himself that he was as good as the best of them. Still, he felt very uncomfortable as he stood at the club door. Never once, in spite of his best endeavours, had he been admitted within its portals. It is true he had had a nodding acquaintance with men who were members there, but they had always treated him very distantly, and never spoke to him, except on purely military matters. That was why, although he determined, as he put it, to stand no lip from anyone— He felt rather odd. He therefore passed into the club and made his way to an official. Is Colonel Trelawney here? he asked. The man gave him a quick glance. What name? he asked. Barnes pulled out a card and gave it to him. You give him that, my man, he said condescendingly. The colonel's a friend of mine. I have an appointment with him. "'Will you come this way?' he said to Barnes a few minutes later. Barnes followed the man upstairs and presently found himself in what he took to be a private room where the colonel sat alone. "'You said you wished to see me?' remarked the colonel as soon as the club servant had gone. Barnes was taken aback at the colonel's peremptory manner, It might be that he was back in the army again, and that he had to appear before his C.O. on account of some delinquency. Still, he determined to carry out the plan of action on which he had decided. "'My word, Colonel, you do yourself very well here,' he remarked pleasantly. "'This is a nice club, and no mistake.' of course it's not as fine a building as the old national liberal where a man i know used to be a member still it's more classy the colonel did not speak he determined to give him no help whatever i've often heard of this place went on barnes although i was not long enough in the army to get elected a member "'but I've been told a great deal about it. "'I heard one man say "'that you could get the best whiskey in London here. "'He can't refuse to order a drink after that,' he reflected, "'and then we shall get on a friendly footing.' "'But the colonel ordered no whiskey. "'He stood in silence, "'waiting for his visitor to state his business.' "'Do you mind my sitting down?' persisted Barnes. "'I've had a fairly busy day, and feel a bit leggy.' "'You wrote, saying you wished to see me, Mr. Barnes,' was the Colonel's response. "'As I have another appointment shortly, I shall be glad if you'll state your business at once.' Barnes felt he was not getting on. His program was being destroyed at the outset, and he felt at a loss what to say. Well, Colonel, he stammered, when I saw Peg on Monday night, I... I beg your pardon, interrupted the Colonel. When you saw whom? Peg? repeated Barnes, when I saw Peg, your daughter, you know. Since when have I given you permission to call my daughter by a name only used by her family? asked the Colonel coldly. Come now, Colonel, replied Barnes, That's coming it a bit too strong. You know as well as I that we've been sweet on each other for months. You invited me to come to your house on Sunday night, in a friendly way, for a bit of supper, and I came. Everything, as I thought, passed off all right, and I quite thought that everything would be settled up between us. But when Peg told me, you wouldn't have me at your house again. In fact, when she told me that you had put the kibosh on everything i felt that i could do no other than demand to have it out with you to have it out with me repeated the colonel yes to talk it over quietly as man to man i don't want any unpleasantness colonel but i tell you straight i'm not the kind of fellow who can take a thing like that lying down This is not an army matter. This isn't, and you can't come the high horse over me. I don't understand your figures of speech, Mr. Barnes. Will you tell me exactly what you wish to say? I've told you straight what I mean. I'm sweet on Peg, and I'm not ashamed of it. We've been going out together for some time, and my people are ready to receive her. As I said before, I accepted your invitation to supper on Sunday in a friendly spirit, but I'm not going to stand being insulted. Being insulted? Yes, insulted. "'Come off the roof and talk it out as man to man. "'That's what I say. "'You told Peg that you wouldn't have me at the house again. "'You told her that she must chuck me. "'Well, I'm not going to stand being chucked, see. "'I've got my feelings, and I'm prepared to marry her, "'fair and square, in a perfectly honourable way. "'That's me.' "'Let me understand,' said the colonel. You wish to ask my consent to your being engaged to my daughter. Is that it? Well, in a way it is, replied Barnes. I shouldn't put it like that myself, for Peg and I have fixed it up between us. Personally, I don't want any flimflam, but since you put it that way, let it be so. Thank you, replied the colonel. But while I appreciate the honour of your proposal, I cannot give my consent. For a moment, Barnes was nonplussed. He felt that somehow he was making no progress with the man who met all his overtures with cold, cutting politeness. At any rate, I have a right to ask your reasons for saying that, he blustered. Perhaps so, Mr. Barnes, but I do not propose to give them. Please understand, however, that all intimacy, all connections of whatever sort, between you and any member of my family, must cease. Look here, cried Barnes in a rage. I've asked straight I have. If you had some chaps to deal with, seeing how sweet Peg is on me, there." There might have been a different story to tell, but I'm doing the honourable thing, and I'm damned if— Pardon me, Mr. Barnes, interrupted the colonel, but this is a gentleman's club, and if you don't moderate both your manner and your speech, I shall be obliged to ring for a servant and have you shown out. "'You mean to say that you meet me with a direct refusal, then?' "'Absolutely. Please understand that.' "'Why? How are you better than I am? In which way is Peg superior to me?' "'Pardon me, Mr. Barnes. I have claimed no superiority. I simply state that I do not consent to your proposal.' The colonel's quiet tones helped Barnes to control himself. He was not so much in love with Peggy that he did not see the true issues of the case. If he married her without the colonel's consent, he would gain very little advantage by the marriage. He might boast as much as he liked, but he would continue to be an outsider and he would never have such another chance to get a foothold into what he termed an aristocratic family. "'Look here, Colonel,' he cried eagerly, "'I hope I understand a gentleman's feelings. "'You've only been home a week, and this has come upon you a bit sudden-like. "'I'm in no such hurry as all that. "'I'm willing to let the matter stand over for a bit. "'Say a year.' and if at the end of that time we are both of the same mind, will you consent then? There, you can't say that isn't fair. For a moment the colonel was tempted. Could he not settle the matter on these lines? Could he not insist on a two-year's probation, during which time the two were not to meet, or correspond in any way? He felt sure that by the end of that time, Peggy would have gotten over her infatuation and the whole thing would die a natural death. He was almost on the point of making such a suggestion when he gave Barnes another look over. No, he could not. In spite of the fellow's good looks and fine physique, he was a vulgar, ill-bred common bounder. He could not temporize with him. Besides, the colonel had throughout all the years of his responsible life held to the rule that delay and temporization were a sign of weakness. It only meant the postponement of an evil day and was an unworthy method for a strong man. Let's get the thing settled and out of the way once and for all he had said again and again concerning awkward things which had cropped up in the pathway of his life. Indeed, this had become a fixed principle of his life. That was why, although it might seem sound policy to play for time just now, he could not do it. It would not be honourable, neither in two nor in twenty years could he see himself consenting to any kind of intimacy. End of chapter 10